Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel, and today is August 18th, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by Jeffrey Rosinski, consultant to the stars. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Great to be with you as always. Yeah, yeah. I always have fun when I'm on a podcast with you. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate your guidance because uh, the, my kids went back to school this week and you always do a great job kind of guiding and navigating through it for me. So I appreciate that. Very nice. Yeah. Summer's over for them. Oh. Uh, okay. So today, Jeffrey, I thought we would uh, talk about the natural gas market. And uh, those that follow the market know that it's uh, been moving around again. So I thought you being a expert in this uh, field uh, for this commodity uh, could give us some insight on fundamentally what's happening and driving that and kind of your thoughts moving forward. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, your kids are back at school. And I know for many families, their kids are getting prepared to go back to school. And you start thinking yeah. about, about school going back in session, you start thinking about fall, you start thinking about colder temperatures. Yep. And yep. that's the lead in for today's uh, subject of the uh, of our podcast here talking about the natural gas markets. Yes. And, and those that aren't in this industry, you're listening because your heating bill this <laughs> this winter and what's going to happen? What are the companies going to do with your natural gas? So you're probably just listening because you're interested in that part of it. Well, Which is fine. Well, well, hopefully the, those bills will be looking a lot kinder this uh, this winter than they did last yeah. winter. So let's let's start there and let's review kind of what the situation or the backdrop looked like last year. Um, everyone remembers that Russia invaded the Ukraine in late February 2022, and that led to a lot of volatility in the natural gas markets and you know Europe scrambling as they uh, did not, or they suspended the final approval of that Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is the you know, down bringing natural gas from Russia into Western Europe. And then there was that you know, sabotage slash explosion that occurred on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline that, that curtailed all shipments. And Europe was kind of left scrambling. How do we replace all the natural gas we would normally bring in from Russia via pipeline? And they ramped up big time uh, with LNG, you know, liquefied natural gas imports, specifically a lot coming from the United States last uh, last year. And, uh, you know, the, the good thing was, or the silver lining was that Europe had a, a milder winter than had been feared because there had been a kind of a, a rush or a mad scramble to try to build up stocks. As, as, as quickly as possible ahead of colder temperatures across mainland Europe. Um, and Europe was able to kind of navigate through a, a milder winter. And they also, I think, pivoted faster than people had expected with a lot of, you know, what, what had originally been you know, been set up as, as temporary loading um, offshore you know, platforms and unloading terminals. And they were able to effectively switch their supply base from Russian pipeline to imports of, you know, vessels carrying LNG. Um, to uh, to Europe, so that's kind of what the, what the situation was last year, but yeah, very volatile. Yeah, but this same week, one year ago, so third week of, of August 2022, natural gas price you know, prices hit an intraday high, just just above ten dollars per MMBTU, and currently we're at around a two fifty handle. So we're we're trading at twenty five percent of the uh, the same price of what it was exactly twelve months ago. Well, that's some good news. Yeah, quite quite a quite a bit different than than what we saw last year, 
And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, these cheaper prices, the, the one downside to them is we've had a lot of U.S. producers start to idle a lot of their fields and suspending activities from some of their, uh, some of their platforms and some of their you know, extraction, which is no longer profitable as, as the prices have dropped. So as a consequence, we've seen a, a pretty significant um, decrease or drop off in our number of active natural gas rigs. Last summer, we peaked at a, you know, just over 163, and we're currently at 128. So that's a 25% in total natural gas rig count or our um, production output or capacity in the last 12 months. Excellent. So tell me some other factors, because I think that, uh, I mean, are you expecting more volatility? I mean, prices have softened a little bit, but as we enter in the next couple months, uh, are you seeing uh, uh, maybe not the same volatility, but similar? in some ways? Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting, intriguing question. I think there are kind of bull and bear factors as with any market um, to kind of factor consider. Um, let's, let's talk first about the stock build that we've seen as reported on the weekly um, energy information uh, administration EIA numbers that come out. We've had fairly anemic builds over the last month at 14, 14, 29, and 35 BCF respectively. Despite that, our stocks are 11% above the five-year average, and we're 20, 21% above where we were last year's level. So the stocks are, are seemingly in good shape, even though the amount of building we're doing right now is on the lighter side. I think it's on the lighter side because of one of the things we, we already mentioned, which is the big reduction we've had in, in rig count. So we don't have as much you know, gas being extracted or being pulled out of the ground. So, and we're, we're exporting a heck of a lot as well. Cause I mean, uh, our listeners will, will also recall we had that um, explosion fire that occurred at the Freeport, Texas facility last year. Um, that's been remedied and now that's back online. So the U.S. is poised to um, hit record amount of, of exports of LNG this year that uh, we, we, you know, we clearly were, were operating at a, a curtailed level for a good part of 2022. Another aspect of this, Mike, is um, you know, what's going on with OPEC, obviously, and yeah. both Saudi Arabia and Russia have made recent announcement that they were going to extend some of their output cuts um, for not just July, but through the month of August. So that's about a million and a half barrel, barrels a day of oil that is not, uh, is not hitting the marketplace. Um, another factor of this is what's going on with industrial production. And, you know, China has been a big swing factor. Um, their their e- economy is faced with, a, I think, a little bit of a, a confidence crisis right now. They've had to cut interest rates two of the last three months, um, mm. and their industrial you know, GDP forecast and their industrial production has been has been dropping. So that's sort of an interesting one. And the last thing um, that I'll mention is just today, um, you know, they, they, the vote started, but regulators in Australia cleared the way for workers at two of their main. Uh, liquefied natural gas facilities um, to approve a vote on a strike that that vote start commenced literally today. Um, mm. They're demanding higher wages, job security, better training um, at their their Wheatstone as well as their uh, Gorgon facility. Um, and why is that relevant to our market here in the United States? Well, Australia, as it turns out, is also one of the larger LNG exporters to the world. Mm. Um, they're about ten percent of the total LNG export market. So obviously, any strike or work stoppage there is going to have some ramifications globally um, with disruptions of the supply of LNG. And I think the logical on that would people would be turning even more toward the United States to kind of meet that, uh, you know, meet that deficit. 
So on those strikes, is that a, a typical thing that you, you tend to see uh, on those cycles down there? Or is this kind of a unique situation? You know, I mean, you'll always hear about, you know, you know workers demanding higher wages and, you know, sure. improve working conditions, et cetera. But I think this one is a, is a larger event, you know, impacting mm. Chevron's two big facilities. It's the, the right. second second biggest facility in the uh, in the country of Australia. So. You know, certainly one to watch to see whether they actually, right. you know, the workers, uh, you know, vote to approve the the strike, and then what what consequence that has for the, uh, you know, for the market in general. Okay, I got a question for you. So, at what level? I mean, you're talking about pricing has softened and uh, cutbacks have happened. What pricing level do these folks get back into the game and start producing more? Well, I mean, if you look at the rig counts having dropped 25% from 163 down to, you know, sub 130, I think that tells you a lot that, you know, yep. we're below the break even for a lot of these operators of these uh, of these natural gas rigs. So, you know, I think we're not likely to fall a heck of a lot lower than we are right now. And if prices are only 25% where they were literally a year ago, I think that these these levels kind of represent pretty good value. Now, there is pretty steep carry in the marketplace of so the nearby mm. contract. When you look at the early winter strip for you know, November, for instance, is you know trading at uh, you know about three three twenty, you know three three fifteen to three twenty, um, and the uh, you know the December the January are you know approaching close to that four dollar mark, um, and then it goes into backwardation once you clear the winter strip and you get into the you know spring market of next year. So. You know, clearly the market is sending signals to, you know, operators to, you know, pay them the carry to actually inject that natural gas and hold it for longer term usage when, when the wet, you know, when the weather turns a little bit colder. Now, speaking of weather, um, what's your, what's your outlook? I mean, what, what is uh, the weather or forecasted weather and how that might impact this uh, natural gas market? Yeah, that's, that's always a variable. So, yeah. you know, our last thing to consider is really the weather and that's always going to be a, a bit of a, an unknown. It's been a hot summer across parts of the United States. I'll say parts because it hasn't impacted everybody. Um, where, where I live here on the East Coast and in, in you know, Philadelphia um, suburb area, we've had a pretty, uh, not only a mild winter, but we've also had a pretty mild summer. I think our yeah. days where the you know, mercury has you know, gone north of 90 degrees has been only about two weeks compared to you know, over 30 days last summer. So we've had a pretty, it's been humid, but it hasn't been a, a particularly hot summer now. Unlike, I think, people in the deep south from Texas all the way through to Atlanta area, they've been kind of boiling this uh, this summer. It's been incredibly hot. And, uh, you know, the one thing that people don't necessarily make the connection with or think about very frequently is when it, when the temperatures are hot, people are running the ACs, you know, more than they would, you know, would be normally. And that is an increase of electricity consumption. And 40% of the electricity that is generated across the United States is actually coming from natural gas fire generators. So nat gas is not only used as a fuel for industrial production um, and for heating purposes, but it's also used for electricity generation. And uh, that's that has also, I think, been one of the reasons why our, our stocks are climbing, but at a, a kind of a, a, a lower slope or, mm-hmm. or not as steeply as, as I think people would like them to like, like to have seen. Okay. Great. Anything else we want to talk about today before we let folks uh, and go enjoy their weekend? Yeah, no, just just finishing up on one last one last thing on weather. You know, people keep talking about developing El Nino and you know and yeah. record high temperatures. I know the month of July set an all time global high temperature across the the planet. 
Um, I think there are people saying that you know El Nino could lead to a you know a uh, you know abnormal weather across the United States. I don't think long term climatologists or forecasters really know whether it's going to be warmer or colder than normal. I've heard kind mm. of both you know both sides of that argument, but that's one of the last variables that you know El Nino could lead to some sort of weather anomalies. Although you know I'm not sure what they're going to look like. I know. Last year, those of us here in the in the mid Atlantic states on the East Coast, where there's a, a, a heavy concentration of our, our country's population, we experienced a, one of the mildest weather you know winters we've had on record. Um, yeah. So I guess the pessimist in me says that uh, it's unlikely we're going to get <laughs> off easy two two years in a row, but uh, yeah. we, we will we will have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not even going to attempt to predict what might happen because you just never know. And sometimes it gets more extreme weather. And I feel sometimes we do get that recently. It's for various reasons. But that's that's a different podcast, I think, Jeffrey. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, we could go on for hours. Before we let folks go, I want to remind you of the IQ platform. If you're a subscriber and you're not logging in or you haven't logged in recently, guess what? We have a new section called Commodity Insights, which uh, our analysts in various topics, including biofuels and energy, give their weekly updates on the factors that are driving the market or important to know from a, a technical and commercial standpoint. So check that out. If you're not an IQ subscriber, please reach out to us. We'll put you on a test drive. And guess what? You're not going to look back. You're going to love it. We're going to wrap this one up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Do something fun this weekend. And Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining today. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.